following program is produced by the Align in the Sound team. If you like what you hear, please stick around at the end of the show. To find out more, contact us and contribute towards a positive future. You're listening to 2XX Behind the Lines. I'm Kerry James and I'd like to pay my respects to the Ngunnawal, um, past, present and future custodians of this land. Um, today we're talking to Lisa from the south coast of South East Forest Rescue. Good morning, Lisa. Oh, good morning, Kerry. How are you? Oh, I'm good. How are you? Oh, well, I could be better. If there was no native forest logging and, and world peace, I'd be very happy. Oh, so... Yeah, I know. I'm sitting in the middle of a um, logged compartment that we had an accident in um, on Valentine's Day, showing our love for the forest. Of course, loggers weren't. Um... And it's just scenes of devastation that, you know, the tree where the tree sit was has been smashed and, you know, so, yeah, mm, could be better. I actually read a, um, read something recently about that action. Uh, it sounded a bit dangerous for the tree sitter. Do you want to go into that or not really? Um, well, basically, it was the first time that's ever happened, but persons unknown came into the compartment after the cops left, before we got there, and chopped down a tree that the tree sit was cabled off onto. Now, um, we've had some interesting developments on that one. The loggers are saying it didn't happen. The police are saying that they were there until, you know, 3 a.m. and they didn't see anything. Mm. Um, yeah, so we're sort of delving into that a little bit more, but um, uh, we've got our evidence now and uh, I think they might be dead in the water. But anyway, that's just between you and I. Yeah. And, of course, the rest of the world. Yeah, it must have got a bit of attention. I read that the um, person spent 16 hours up the oh, tree. Oh, yes. The tree sitter was a trooper um, and very staunch, I must say. So, yeah, hats off and big ups and respect to that tree sitter. Um, but, you know, basically, you know, the tree sitter was saying that um, they had the easiest job. You know, they get to sleep all day. They don't have to hear the loggers talk their logger talk. They don't have to deal with the police, you know quite a nice place up in the tree. Yeah. But, um, we've had a couple of really successful actions. That action, well, the action in this particular compartment, Vidala 3043. Now, this is in the foothills of Gulliga Mountain. Mm. Um, Gulliga Mountain is a significant Aboriginal place, as a lot of people would know. It's the mother mountain down here on the south coast. And this looks like the start of uh, Forest New South Wales incursion onto Gulliga. Um, they've got another compartment marked up 3047 which is on the mountain, um, so there'll be big actions when that uh, <laughs> takes place. It was earmarked for April of last year, but um, they haven't got there yet, funnily enough. I think they might be waiting till after the election. Anyway, we'll see. Um, South East Forest Rescue, a little bit about us, for people who don't know, is we've been together 10 years. Uh, 10 years actually come Easter, and we're having a big festival and celebration in the compartment that the first blockade of South East Forest Rescue attended and formed, which is Badger 2020. And Badger's up near you guys, up near Canberra. Um, and we'll be having music and films and um, skill shares because um, we quite often teach people how to um, do things safely. And um, some DA. So that should be heaps of fun. And that's on the Easter long weekend. Um, but the other stuff that we do, green policing, we go into compartments and we record and document the breaches that the loggers 
and Forest New South Wales invariably do, and then we report them to the regulator. So that's kind of a little bit of history about Southeast Forest Rescue. And people are able to actually look at your documentation of those breaches, aren't they, on your website? Yeah, absolutely. As opposed to the mm, alleged transparency of Forest New South Wales, um, you can go and see all our breach reports. Um, we've got harvest plans up. We're um, on our website. Um, we put the monthly, the plans of operations uh, on our website, so you can go and see exactly what compartment they're logging. Um, there are eight compartments active in the southern region, which goes from Nowra down to, say, Cabago, and there are around about eight compartments active from Cabago down to the Eden border. So there's quite a few. But we've ha- we have had some successes uh, in that um, we've you know recently found that like Mumbala, and I don't know if people know what happened on Mumbala Mountain, but Forest New South Wales started logging. They failed to notice a few records, like the koala record within two kilometres of the compartment. Uh, we told them that they couldn't start logging because they would be in breach of their licences, but they started logging anyway. And um, the same things happened in another compartment called Cathcart, um, but they've had to stop. So that... Um that mumbler koala habitat, has that been logged in total now? Or? Oh, can you say that again? Um, the mumbler... Mechanical harvester chopping down trees. Oh, really? Away oh, from gosh. Oh. Um, the mumbler koala habitat, I'm wondering, has anyone done any studies as to how the koalas have been affected by that? By the logging? Yeah. Uh, well, Really, we were very successful on Mumbler. We had a win. They only logged 8.6 hectares before they were bumped out. Oh, right. Before someone eventually realised that what we were saying, that it was a significant Aboriginal place, was in fact true. That's great. Um, and we discovered the Gazette all maps and, and bumped them out. So, they, look, it, there has been quite a bit of damage, but not as much as there could have been because, um, you know, the compartment's something like 200 hectares or something they could have logged. Um, there has been studies, uh, there's been a, a koala survey in progress through um, the Department of Environment, Climate Change and Water, and they found roughly about 30 to 50 koalas in that region, which is pretty exciting, considering that there's you know hardly any, as far as we know, koalas left on the south coast. So that is pretty exciting. What was really interesting during the logging operations was that the the Forest New South Wales make these prohibited areas. And every time someone would find scats or tracks, the prohibited area would get bigger and bigger. So it was like, you know, criminals covering up their their crime, really. Um, Yeah. Yeah, that's the way of it. I have heard... We are having a lot of success at the moment on the south coast where um, we're stepping up the pressure because basically 85 to 90% of all wood in every forest that they log goes down to the chip mill. Now, the chip mill is Southeast Fibre Exports. It's owned by a, a Japanese company, Nippon Paper. Um, and basically, our trees get chipped down at the chip mill and then put in a boat and shipped to Japan to make cardboard. Um, Nippon Paper is a little bit different than guns in, in, in um, New South Wales, where... This um, particular mill is owned by a mother company, not like guns. Guns had to go and look for their market. This company has a mother company which will take their chips. However, they can only take a certain amount of chips and the rest they've got it on felt. So there has been, you know, there has been a, a, 
um, a, a falling in the market, and that has affected them, you know, which is good. Um, and currently, we're pushing to end native forest logging in Australia. You know, Tasmania, Victoria, and New South Wales. All these areas are covered under the regional forest agreement. Um, basically, in New South Wales, if there's an area, our area, that's covered by a regional forest agreement um, and an integrated forestry operations approval, that's like their licence conditions, that's like the rules of the road that they have to follow. Um, we can't take them to court for a breach of their act or any other act that they breach. And they're exempt from all of the protective legislation like the Environmental um, Protection and Conservation Biodiversity Act, which is a Commonwealth Act, and the Threatened Species Conservation Act and National Parks and Wildlife Act, the Environmental Assessment Act, you know, that all, all the acts that um, would normally apply to any private person, they're exempt from. So basically all we can do is kind of put our bodies on the line, get in front of the log trucks and try and slow the logging down until the wheels of bureaucracy catch up, if you understand what I mean, <laughs> at this stage, anyway. Um, and what's really interesting is that because the market has dropped out of the wood chips industry, then now it seems that Southeast Fibre exports, um, because they need, you know, they need to make a profit, I imagine, um, have put in a development application for a, um, something they're calling a biomass power station. What that really means is they'll chip the trees and then burn them to make power for themselves, so they say. Um, and at this stage, because of the election, we really don't know what's happening with that. As far as we know, all the submissions, and there were over 2,000 submissions, and I think three of those were for the power station, um, the submissions are in now with South East Fibre Exports, and they're deciding what they want to do. In the meantime, <laughs> in the meantime, they we found out through a you know an, an, a friend that South East Fibre Exports wanted to and had ordered a pelletising factory, and had ordered the machines from overseas. And I think that you know, thought they could just put them in the back shed, no one would notice. <laughs> But we found out about it. We outed them in the media, and then they agreed that, oh, yes, well, they did have to put in a development application. Now, that development application is in with council now for a pelletising factory, um, which means they're going to chip the trees and then grind them up and then turn them into, like, little chook pellets kind of things and then send them overseas to be burnt. Um... I think it takes around about 40 days from when the submission closes to when they're going to make their decision. But we're basically on orange alert now for um, getting the information that this day will be the day that Bega Valley Shire Council is going to discuss the development application. And we want to get as many people on the steps of Bega Valley Shire Council as we can. I know there have been quite a few submissions to the council, even though the council didn't... Um, put the development application or advertise it in any way on their website. So, um, yeah, we're kind of, there's a, kind of, a couple of things that we're doing at the moment on our campaign front, um, and one is um, campaigning against the power station itself, campaigning against the pelletising factory, um, and campaigning against ending native forest logging. Of course, all of this is in conjunction with 
what's happening in Tasmania and Victoria. So we're all talking to each other and, and making sure that um, we can all support each other in whatever we do. There's been a bit of media lately about the TAS talks failing. What do you think about that? I'm not sure that they're failing. There has been a little bit of media, but I, it looks like that's... It seems to be coming from Forestry Tasmania, and they definitely want the talks to fail. Definitely, for some reason, I wonder, they want the talks to fail. Um, but I, I can't imagine, given the report that has just come out from Professor Garneau, was like yesterday, day before, which stated that if the moratorium were to happen, then the climate change mitigating effects would be very positive. And given that that's a government document, and given the Ajani paper that just came out, I can't imagine that this moratorium won't happen. Um, if it doesn't happen, well, the conflict will just escalate. And it, the conflict in all forests will rage until there's an end to native forest logging, because no longer is it just about logging. Because of what's happening with climate change, and I think it's something like 47 million tonnes of CO2 emissions every year are caused by logging, native forest logging, then it has to stop. It does have to stop. You know, it's, the, the time is over for um, pussyfooting around because we don't have that much time left to do something about the planet. So, and that has been, I guess, one of the motivating factors for me is, um, uh, you know, it's gloves off, basically. And, and I, if, if the moratorium does fail, then what else can the government do that will be a quick and effective means of having some sort of mitigation on climate change effects? I don't know. So the emissions from cutting down the forests are as well, great yeah, as... Yeah, there's a lot of emissions, OK? So what mm. happens is, you know, of course they log the forest and that tree now cannot suck in the carbon dioxide. But in logging the forest, they dig up the soil. Um, they They you know, knock over quite a few trees as well as just cutting them down. Um, they basically cause a, a desert where there once was a sink, if you know what I mean. There was once somewhere that sucked in carbon dioxide. Now there's somewhere that, that, that um, releases carbon dioxide. And what happens is it turns the soil, the soil because it's hard and dry, becomes like a mirror and it is, is much hotter than say, you know, an unlogged forest. So that's one of the things. But there are so many other things. There is the actual emissions from the machines they use. So in every compartment, and there are, like I said, eight compartments in Southern and around about six or eight in Eden, in every compartment there are four or five machines working from six o'clock in the morning till six o'clock at night. Oh. So they are emitting. They're fossil fuel dependent. Then there are the trucks. So they run, they can run... Uh, six, maybe eight trucks a day, and these trucks go from all over. So, say they're logging um, Brumen, which is up near Ulladulla. They go from Brumen down to the chip mill, back up to Brumen, back down to the chip mill, back up to Brumen again, like at least four or five times, right? So there's the emissions from the transport. Then they either, sometimes, and we've noticed this is happening a little bit more and more, they tend to be burning the forest before they log, and then they'll burn it after they log. Oh. Now, that in itself, so they burnt something like 23,000, 24,000 hectares last year. 
um, and the emissions from the burning as well. So there are all these different factors that, uh, when taken into account, and we have done um, quite a decent sort of accounting of all factors of native forest logging on the south coast, and um, we've come up with the figure of over 26 million tonnes of CO2 emissions are being emitted every year on the south coast. Now, I think that's something like an equivalent of if we took every car in Sydney off the road for a year, um, it's about that kind of kind of emission. It's, it's quite high. There is also, of course, the boats chipping in and out. So, you know, there's, there's so many so many emissions happening. Um, and that's just that, your region. That's not taking into account the whole world or even the whole of Australia, including Tassie. That's no, just no, your I'm region. No, taking into account like on the south coast. Wow. And this Garneau figure, which is 47 million tonnes for the whole of Australia, I think is very conservative. Wow. But, hell, it's big. So, you know, and that's what the government's saying. So, you know, it, it's time now to stop. We all need action on climate change, and this is one of the ways that we can do it quickly and effectively. It's Some a massive way. Yeah. Well, we know, say, there's four machines working at the moment um, in each compartment, and that's sometimes an overestimation. Sometimes there's only three. But we can estimate, say, there's four people that are working in this compartment. So there are eight compartments active in the southern region. Uh, what's four eight? Thirty-two. <laughs> Thirty-two people in the southern region that would need um, uh, packages, you know, uh, payout packages. Um, that's not a hell of a lot of people. Now, we're not talking about the public servants, which is Forest New South Wales. They can find other means those people. That's a government-run agency, even though it's uh, a corporation sold and trading as a private company. It's still a public company. So the government can find something to do with its Forest New South Wales offices. And we've been suggesting that they work in mitigation and they work in um, replanting and rebuilding the forest that they've so badly destroyed. Hmm. So we're talking about 32 people in Southern. Um, roughly about the same in Eden is probably probably no more than, say, six logging crews in Eden. So that six fours are 24. 24 plus 32 is 56 people. Then there are the truck drivers. Well, there's a national shortage of truck drivers in Australia at the moment for any sort of truck driving. Um, the truck drivers could, in fact, retool and become, you know, truck drivers of other industries. That would be no issue. So, you know, really, if we're talking about how much money the government has to spend, not much, really. When I've been talking to the logging contractors, a lot of those guys, uh, and I'm not talking about the owners of the companies. That's something completely different. We have owners like Cox who are millionaires. We're not talking to the owners. We're talking for a fair payout for the workers. And some of the workers have said, you know, 250000 would would pay my mortgage, would pay my car payment, and would get me, you know, to the next job that I have to do. That's not a lot of money. Considering that, in the last four years, Forest New South Wales have been running at million-dollar losses. So, say, in 2008, they ran at a $14 million loss. In 2009, they ran at a $16 million loss. In 2010, suddenly their loss dropped. Uh, after tax loss, and this is, I don't, I'm not really an accountant, so I don't really understand, 
but their after-tax loss was only $4 million in the red. However, their before-tax... No, sorry, their before-tax loss was $4 million in the red, but their after-tax loss was $232 million in the red. That's a hell of a lot of money. So what we're saying to the government is it would be cheaper, um, you know, in the long term, given we are now going to have a price on carbon and what's happening to the planet, to buy these workers out. Um, and even if the whole carbon, uh, you know, price wasn't happening, and even if, you know, what the, the, the devastation to the planet and for our future generations, even if that wasn't a factor, just the fact that Forest New South Wales have been running at such million-dollar losses over such a long period of time, it would be cheaper just to buy the workers out. Sure. But I'm not an accountant. Well, that's a lot of figures that you've got in your brain sitting in that chopped down oh, forest. Oh, yeah, my brain's full of it. <laughs> oh, God, I've got one of those brains that just takes in stuff. That's great. Sometimes to get stuff as well, of course. So it sounds as though there are heaps of things that, or a few things that people in Canberra could do to get involved with you guys who sound like you're the sea shepherd of the forests. Um, oh, thank you. We'd love to be the sea shepherd of the forests. <laughs> sounds to you me know, we that had, way. We had, the sea shepherd gave us a rope from them. Oh, wow. Sea, oh, we, we treasured it, but the police took it at Gulliga. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Well, you are right. really, because you're enforcing the law where the law enforcers aren't doing their job. So um, people can go to your website and also I could announce your phone number if that's okay. Yeah, that's fine if you want to. My phone number is 0428 640 271 if people want to get involved or they can go to our website. They can send us an email sefr at fastmail.fm um, Oh, the website. Well, the website's kind of kooky. It comes off the Lisa and Tony site www.lisaandtony.com.au slash south Space, east, space, forest, space, rescue. Um, or if you just Google Southeast Forest Rescue, you'll get it. Because, yeah, basically, um, you know, the breaches are, are running at, you know, four or five um, breaches per hectare at the moment. Um, and DEC, the, the regulator, only has two people to regulate the whole of New South Wales. And so... We go into the compartment and we document the breaches and we send that to DEC. And if there's really big illegalities, we'll go and stand in front of the loggers and say, come on, DEC, come on down and check this out. And that's been happening with the rocky outcrop breaches. Um, in Glenbog, there were, they hadn't even marked up any of the compartment and that was yellow-bellied glider habitat. Um, and right, it was basically right on National Park. Um, in Badala here, these were the same loggers. Now, this is really interesting. These loggers are from Tasmania here in Badala. They had, um, earlier on in the in last year, logged a dampier old growth and rainforest up there. Um, and now they've moved here to this foothills of Gulliga Mountain. That's really interesting. Why are there Tasmanian logging contractors here? And what does that say about what's happening, um, you know, on the south coast? Why do we need to import, you know, logging contractors? Anyway, just a curious thought. Um, but the breaches here were the same ones that were in Dampier. You know, obviously these guys have not read the Integrated Forestry Operations Approvals. They stated publicly that um, they had a very detailed harvesting plan and they had a forest practices code. Well, that's classic Tasmania speak. Actually, in this state, you've got these things called Integrated Forestry Operations Approvals and they set out what you can 
and can't do in what area with what tree. Um, but yes, a lot of the loggers don't seem to read them anyway, so I suppose it doesn't matter that they're from Tasmania. <laughs> okay. Um, thank you so much for your time today and all your efforts. Obviously, you devote a lot of your life and you're a mum and a musician and all sorts of other wonderful things in your life, oh, but yeah. you obviously... Superwoman. It's not just me, Kerry. There is, look, basically, 77% of people do not want native forest logging on the south coast. They just don't want it. So there is, you know, as, as opposed to, um, you know, most places like Tasmania and, and you know, there's, there's kind of a lot of, not a lot of community support, um, but basically... In New South Wales, we have a hell of a lot, particularly on the South Coast, a hell of a lot of community support for what we're doing. And so it's not just me. There's a, a whole bunch of people who are involved in South East Forest Rescue. And um, we come under an umbrella group called South East Regional Conservation Alliance. And then there's, you know, there's, everyone's really, really supportive. So um, if people do want to get involved, know that you won't be the only one down here and that you know, the community really, really appreciate what we're doing. Yeah. That's good. Okay. All the best. Oh, thanks heaps, Kerry. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Bye. Okay, bye. You have been listening to an episode of A Line in the Sound, the podcast made by Co-ops, Commons and Communities Canberra, Co-Canberra for short, the New Economy Network of Australia, or NINA, and radio behind the lines from Community Radio 2XX 98.3 FM in Canberra, Australia. Co-Canberra is working towards a cooperative Commonwealth. Our work builds strong communities, extensive commons, and a network of climate cooperatives. The New Economy Network of Australia is a network of individuals and organisations working to transform Australia's economic system so that achieving ecological health and social justice are the foundational principles and the primary objectives of the economic system. Behind the Lines has been running for well over 30 years on Canberra's oldest community radio station, 2XX. We do extended interviews with anyone who's trying to make the world a better place. All three are volunteer-run, so if you like what you heard on this episode, join us and become the media. To join up with the New Economy Network of Australia, sign up at neweconomy.org.au. To help out with Behind the Lines, or to help our editing team finish off a mountain of good Australian New Economy info, which includes editing training, contact us at BehindTheLines98.3 at gmail.com and see 2XXFM.org.au where you can subscribe, donate and volunteer to Australia's only alternative voice, Community Radio. If you're not in Canberra, there's definitely one near you. To help out with CoCanberra, contact us at info at cocanberra.org.au That's C-O-C-A-N-B-E-R-R-A.org.au or come along to our monthly meetups, which we share with Nina Canberra Regional Hub, where we explore any and all aspects of the new economy. Find out what we're up to at cocanberra.org.au. And finally, if you want to help fund me, Scotty, to go full-time with this and lots of other related work, look up LiberaPay, L-I-B-E-R-A-P-A-Y, and search for Community Supported Scotty. From there, you can find out about all my other projects and donate to help create a new, appropriate economy. Thanks.